Sound of Hockey episode 233. We're calling this one the Thomas Vanek episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Well, Thomas Vanek, in his NHL career, he scored 233 even strength goals. Okay. That's a good one. That's yeah, a nice. Going back to the well a yep. little bit. Uh, have we done even strength goals, though? That I'm feels, sure I've yeah, kind of weaved that in. But um, he's Austrian. He mm-hmm. played 1,029 NHL games. He played for eight different NHL teams. And he is the all time. Austrian leader in NHL games played goals, assists, and points. He also, yep, he also won a national championship with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So, uh, good timing there because they just made another frozen that might be four. A good seg- or, we'll, uh, foreshadowing. Yeah, as we'll they talk say. about that a little yeah. bit in this episode. Uh, he also, I don't know if you remember his, uh, remember his gambling issue. That's that's right. I do remember <laughs> that now. Yeah. yeah, that was what he was. He was joining the Wild as a um, as a free agent, and just as that happened, he had this big scandal where he had like signed over Islanders' paychecks to the gambling ring. <laughs> that's right. It was quite the scandal. So um, anyway, uh, Thomas Vanek episode, good pick. This is uh, Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Joined as always by John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL Two Seattle on the Twitter, and we are coming to you from Bar Down Studios here in Seattle. Uh, you also can follow. At sound underscore hockey for all of your Kraken updates. We live tweet the Kraken games from there. We give you lots of information. So be sure to follow that account because I think it's a pretty good one, but I might be biased. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we have a couple of reviews to share with you. The first one comes from Sharks fan Phil. It's a five-star review. It says, one of the best. Uh, eh, one of the best. Okay, we'll take it. Uh, it says, this podcast is one of the best hockey podcasts out there, and it helped me find my new favorite podcast, the Too Many Men podcast. What? I thought we weren't going to mention too many men on this podcast. Uh, all jokes aside, I think it's incredible that Darren, John, and Andy have created such an amazing show for so many years. I've listened since episode 15. Well, you missed 14 episodes then, didn't you? He <laughs> can always Sharks go back. Phil. Yeah. I don't know if I'd recommend it, though. I think the... Um, I, I wonder how we sound back then. We were, we were testing things out at the time, I think, both in terms of sound quality and our chemistry was probably little off. So anyway, uh, I'm a longtime Sharks fan. I forgive you, John, with lots of family up in the Seattle area. So I have a soft spot for the Kraken and I love this podcast. It should be at the top of the list for any hockey fan. Cheers to West Coast biased hockey content. Finally. Yes. Love that. Forza Sounders says, wishing Andy a full recovery. Five stars. Uh, wishing Andy a full recovery because nothing else is important. But since I'm here, I want to give the group a shout out because this pod does a great job of threading the needle between introducing hockey and appealing to dedicated fans. It's really hard to find that balance, but this pod does both. Like many in the area, I was new to hockey before the Kraken arrived, and I continue to be informed and entertained by this pod. I'm looking forward to attending my first hockey game ever in a week. Wow. Yeah. And this podcast has helped a longtime Seattle sports fan develop an appreciation for the Kraken and hockey, Trent in Ravenna. Love it. That's Trent pretty cool. In Ravenna. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Trent. Uh, very, very nice review. As long as you uh, brought up Andy, of course, we are very much thinking of him still as well. There was some good news on the Andy front this afternoon. We're uh, recording on Tuesday. His family reported that he is officially out of the ICU, which, uh, I mean, that's a feels like a big step. It's, you know, all, all of it is... Um, we're maintaining very cautious optimism, I guess, uh, for a full recovery for Andy. Uh, the the note from his family says Andy has left the ICU care and continues to show slow positive signs, but faces a long and difficult road to recovery. We very much appreciate all the kind words and positive thoughts. Unfortunately, still no visitors allowed at this time. So, Well, and if uh, somehow you don't know what we're talking about, and you probably missed last episode, go back and listen to the first 15 minutes of last <laughs> Last episode, yeah. um, 
you know, especially if you need a good cry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, still thinking about him a lot and missing him, um, and rooting for him. And there have been some small, very small, but positive movement. Um, you know, we're, we're not giving all the details, but there's some positive signs, um, that, that we're encouraged by, but still the long road ahead for Andy. Very much. Uh, and he still needs financial help. So andyide.com, that'll re- redirect you right to his GoFundMe. And we might be kind of figuring out a way to do some kind of event, um, maybe a watch party or, or something on probably April 11th. Uh, more info on that to come, but uh, if you want to block it out now, maybe like a watch party for the away Vegas game. So keep that in mind. Maybe block it out on your calendar. Yep. As a potential. It's a little potential. bit tentative. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. Nothing yep. set tentative. in stone. But uh, if it happens, we'd love to have you there. Uh, okay, let's get into our show here. Uh, we have some Kraken updates to share. Oh, and please do leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done it already. Uh, thank you again to Forza Sounders and Sharks Fan Phil for those great reviews. The Kraken games that we have uh, observed here in the last week since the last time we recorded, it's only three because they played Nashville twice and they played the Wild once. Uh, and the game before that, the Dallas game, happened right before we recorded last week. So we don't need to talk about that one, which is nice. John, you may have been in attendance for the two Nashville games, if I'm not mistaken, unless I got bad information on that. You are not mistaken. Okay, you were actually yeah. there. That's so, fun. Um, Did you have a good time? Yeah, I mean, I love Nashville. I went to the Kraken game last season, and that was uh, October of 2021. But I've been in Nashville before, and quickly getting on, not quite a soapbox, but go check out a game in Nashville, even if it's not the Kraken. It's a great city, great things to do. There's the downtown honky-tonks and stuff like that, but there's a, the games are awesome. There's a lot to do outside of the downtown area. It's a really fun trip. Worried I'm going to make it an annual trip because calorically, <laughs> I'm not sure if I can handle it. Yeah, you're um, eating healthy when you go to Nashville? Not the healthiest of okay. options down there. Well, right. there is options. I just don't choose them. Right. Uh, you choose the hot chicken and the barbecue, right? <laughs> yes, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, exclusively almost. Man, I haven't been to Nashville as a kid, but I am itching to go back. I do enjoy me some good Nashville spicy chicken. So. Well, when the schedule comes out for yeah. next season, we should kind of keep an eye on it. Okay. We talked about it this season, but then I just never made that one happen for whatever reason. So, yep. Maybe next year. Sounds yeah. great. I'm um, glad you had fun though. So they did play two games there, both of them against the Predators, which makes sense since they were in Nashville. <laughs> um, but it doesn't really make sense because it's a weird quirk in the schedule for them to have, you know, play two games in a row. That was one of those things that kind of started during pandemic hockey, right? Where they'd have teams play two games in a row in a city. It's very rare that they would do that before. Well, we had Dallas and I think we're getting Arizona as well. Correct. So, and yeah. uh, Vegas, that's happening with this season too. Although I think that's home and home, if I'm not that mistaken. That is home so, and home. Yeah. Um, in any case, uh, so the first game they lost two to one. One, which I thought was pretty disheartening. Uh, it went to a shootout, but disheartening because that felt like one of those games that like they kind of had to have to me, right? Just where they were at the time and the standings and, and all that kind of stuff. It felt like a really important game for the Kraken, um, probably more important in a way for Nashville. And so maybe that's why we saw that. Uh, they did come out and score first. Daniel Sprong said ding dong early on, uh, his 18th of the season. Uh, Kiefer Sherwood tied it on a pretty big rebound. This is a second Joey Decord game. Uh, Decord played really well, but the, the one goal they gave up, uh, 
it was like a big rebound that kicked way out to Sherwood. Sherwood scored kind of in an empty net. And then they went to the shootouts. And oh, one weird thing about this one was this was the game where Tanev took a penalty with like 30 seconds left. And that carried over into overtime or maybe a minute and a half. I don't know. It carried over into overtime. And so because they were then playing down four on three, when Tanev's penalty ended, he came out and then they played four on four and there was no whistle for the whole period. So they they almost uh, played the entire overtime. I think overtime. it was like 15 seconds right. technically So left. The, the 30 seconds at the beginning where they were down four on three until uh, like 15 seconds left, they played four on four. So they're not as good at four on four as they are at three on three. So I thought that really cost them in a, in a weird way um, that they didn't get really any three on three time because they're good at three on three. So anyway, they, they stay tied through overtime. They go to the shootout where they're not good. They've been completely unsuccessful in the shootout this season. Jared McCann hit a post. Jared Narbilly, I think, got stopped by Soros, if I'm not mistaken. So um, your take on the game, though, John, being that you were there. Well, I mean, it was a entertaining game. I probably wasn't as disappointed as you sound you were i mean uh, i'm I mean, fine now but I, I know but i think getting a point's fine uh i honestly don't think nashville's very good okay right they had no forsberg no yossi and they traded away matias at home yeah and tanner's you know yeah so yeah. in that regard they shouldn't be that close and so heading into the next game i was expecting a big win for the kraken honestly okay. because i i just felt like they would have taken it personal that they lost and just play like they can and uh it kind of happened that way. Well, your prediction was correct. Yeah. Although, again, Daniel Sprong came out in that game, said ding dong early. So <laughs> that was goal number 19. We're on 20 goal watch now for Daniel Sprong, who has been a frequent healthy scratch slash only played on the fourth line slash plays about 11 minutes a game. Tops yeah. didn't have a contract coming into the season slash didn't have a visa when he started and then didn't. It was, it's been quite the ride for Daniel Sprong. And the fact that he's at the spot where he's at now with uh, right on the precipice of 20 goals for the start, first time in his career, I think is pretty cool. Ellie Tolvanen said, wave this. That was my, well, it was the Twitter intern's tweet, which I thought I thought was pretty funny, whoever <laughs> the Twitter intern was that day. Um, scored twice against his old team after getting waved by them. But the point I was going to make is that the Predators really did hang around in this one. They actually made it three to two early in the third period. Uh, but then it was all cracking from there. For some reason, the floodgates opened and it was just... There was no stopping him. Adam Larson scored. Matty Beneers scored. That was his first goal in over a month and his 20th goal, which, by the way, uh, I believe that's a bonus for him. I think that was one of his rookie bonuses. So I think he makes like $250,000 for, for getting his 20th goal. Uh, Jared McCann hit his 35th goal, which is uh, pretty incredible as well. And then Oliver Bjorkstrand scored. And in in total, uh, the final damage was 7-2 to two in that one. So pretty dominant yeah, they and, performance. and they kind of outshot him even when it was close. They yeah. kind of outshot him, and Grubauer was back in net for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't. I'm not sure if we mentioned that. And then Geeky went to the wing on that. That's one. right. Yeah, and I don't know if, what your take is. Sometimes when you're at the game, for me, mm-hmm. and depending if I'm not sitting kind of in like a a high vantage point, yeah, I mm-hmm. can't get a good read on all the plays um, and and how the players are playing. I tend to notice mistakes more than I notice like overall gameplay. I mean, other than goals, obviously, but um, so I was wondering what you thought of geeky playing on the wing. I like it in theory. I think to your point, while he did make a a really great play, uh, when did he make the pass? I think the pass to Sprong was actually in the game before, if I'm not mistaken, but I think he had another assist in the seven, two game. Um, I like it in theory though. I think they've been trying so hard to find this right mix of 
players and a replacement on that second line line wing for Andre Burakovsky, who's been out now since the All-Star break. Um, maybe we should talk about that too. But they've been trying to find a replacement, right? They've tried a bunch of different stuff. They've tried Tanev, they've tried Jesper Froden, they've tried Oliver Bjorkstrand, which I thought that worked really well. But then you break up the third line, which the third line's been very consistent. So I get why they're, you know, wanted to put them back together. So I like Geeky there. I also think, you know, I like Jesper Froden. I think he's he's a fine player. I don't think he helps you in that role any more and than Froden a Morgan never Geeky. scored, I think. No. Even, and they gave him plenty me, of ample chances. opportunity. Oh, yeah. 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 And he's playing, you know, with good players. So um and then on the fourth line, right, you have Tanev, uh Sprong and Donato, which I I like that mix as well. So I think in theory I like it a lot. I think that's probably my favorite mix that they've gone with since Burakovsky's been out. But sure it'd be nice to just have Burakovsky back, wouldn't it? Yeah. And you wonder when that's gonna happen. And I mean the one thing about Geeky being on the wing is that now you you only have you have four left-handed centers yeah right so taking strong side face-offs is a little awkward now you can always kind of deploy geeky to like take the face off and jump off even mm-hmm. if his line's not in and especially when it gets to be like a more key face-off right a right certain point right. in the game yeah. right or a defensive zone or something mm-hmm. like that now one thing and i don't know if you know this is geeky now leads the team in face-off percentage yeah uh which was a long road for him to get to first because for a while he was you know like third or fourth on the centers Mm. um but again he's right-handed and can be deployed in in strategic areas so that's that's the only thing that that's kind of weird like what happens when burakoski comes back do they slot geeky back in or does he get scratched again because he was starting to get scratched again a little bit over the last two months yeah and now i mean daniel sprong is scoring like gangbusters again so you can't really take him out i i don't know it's that weird thing where they continue to have somebody's got to sit you know and of sprong donato and geeky those are kind of your three options. I don't feel like any of them deserve to sit. Right? I think we've and, had that conversation correct. before. I mean, we've had that exact yeah. conversation 10 times on this podcast. So, But that's just how it is. And that's a yeah. good thing, right? That's a, that's a good thing to have the depth that there's a player that's being sat out of the lineup that you think should be in. That's a good thing. Yep. to me. Yep. So fair enough. Okay. So then they go to Minnesota. They lose five to one in this one. And I thought it was kind of a weird game. And the reason I thought that was because I thought they were the better team. They lost five to one, but man, they really dominated for long stretches of the play in this game. Um, I don't want to like dump on Philip Grubauer by any means, but like they lost the goalie battle pretty handedly in this game. Uh, Grubauer did get pulled, so obviously not his best night. Uh, there really was one goal that I thought was not good. I think it was Boldy's second goal of the game. Was where- it the third goal from? Kind of an awkward angle. Yes. Yeah. And he was really deep in his net, I thought. He was, like, up against his post. He just wasn't in the right position. Like, if he's a foot off his line there and more centered in the net, he stops that shot easily. So it's it's a weird one because it's coming through traffic, and I think he was reading pass. I think he just misread it. It is interesting that Haxtell kind of defended Grubauer. Well, not quite defended, but implied like it was just an unlucky goal. Yeah. I mean, it was, a, yeah. it, it was in, like... In a corner, right? Like it was in a good spot. Yeah, it in the hit net. the post and went in. But all three but of I, Boldy's goals hit the post and went in. Right. So they weren't like bad shots. Yeah, he's but, he's pretty good. Yeah. So yep. yeah, he that, is. I I mean I didn't think Grubauer played that poorly, but at the same time, Flurry played unreal yep. and kept them in it. You know, if Kraken get the first goal there, 
it, you might have a different outcome. I think you're absolutely right. I think they, you know, Seattle came out flying in that first period. I thought they looked really good. I thought even after they got down by a goal, I thought they looked good in the second period too. But it was like every time they'd get a couple of good chances, then Minnesota would come down and score like an opportunistic goal. So that's one of those where I think you just kind of tip your hat to the other team's goalie and to the guy that the 21 year old kid that scored a hat trick and looks like a budding superstar. You kind of tip your hat to those guys, right? That's what I think happens there. The thing that I think is interesting, though, is that as of I think even as of recording, there's that's still the matchup for Seattle. If, you know, the the season were to end today, I believe Minnesota is the matchup for the Kraken in the first round of the playoffs. So seeing how that game went, I, I mean, if they play seven games exactly like that, get a little bit better goaltending, you know, get a little worse goaltending from Minnesota. I think they're the better team there. Now and get Burkowski back. Hopefully. Sure. Yeah. But Minnesota also has a certain Kirill Kaprizov to Is get he back any good to. Though? He's okay. Yeah. I don't know. I've never talked ne- about we've him never, before. Never heard about him on yeah. this podcast. So I think there's, I don't think it's like a terrible matchup. Like I think Seattle could in theory get past Minnesota if that's who the matchup ends up being. Also, I can tell you that Minnesota loves an early playoff exit, so (laughs) that could work in Seattle's favor. Um, Other possible matchups, though, as long as we're talking about that, uh, I actually wrote about it on soundofhockey.com today. I got a little carried away. It's kind of long, um, a nice little manifesto for you. So (laughs) go check it out when you have have a little time. But basically, I just walked through like why Seattle could beat each of these teams and why they could lose. Um, I do I do kind of like the the idea of a matchup with Colorado for some reason. Seattle has matched up with them pretty well. And maybe I'm being a little naive there because uh, things have just gone well when they've played each other this season. But I don't know. It's interesting that they're three and zero. Same with Los Angeles. They've played pretty well against Los Angeles, but they ha- also haven't played them since uh, November. So Saturday, when they play each other, will be interesting. I mean, I think your article breaks down pretty well because it has you know what their track record is of against these teams this season, and even Edmonton, which is not mentioned because it's unlikely they would play them in the first round. I think. Kraken can beat them too. Um, they can. They need to play a really good, tight defensive structure, but there is a way to beat Edmonton. Right. Definitely. And yeah. And they've beat them before, obviously, but they've beat all those teams that you mentioned because we're probably going to get the central crossover or potentially Vegas. And I think, you know, I, I'm not scared of any one team here. I'm not either, which maybe, again, maybe that's naivete. Yeah. yeah. But. You know, Seattle has had these stretches this season where they've been unbeatable no matter who they play, you know, so can they be like that when they get to the playoffs, in which case they could win at least a round, maybe even two. Um, I still don't see them as cup contenders necessarily, but man, making some noise in the playoffs here in year two would sure be fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I I think they... (laughs) Anybody can beat anybody. Like yeah. We've talked about this you in the You just got to get in. Yeah, you just got to get in. Montreal Canadiens made it to the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. So It was like kind of a fake year, though. That's true. Yeah, that, that, weird, didn't uh, that didn't count. Bubble, bubble divisions. <laughs> in any case, I think there's a path through round one, certainly. I, I think, um, oddly, it might be an advantage that they don't have home ice advantage <laughs> because they're much better on the road than they are at home. But yeah, we shall see where it ends up. Uh, there's still some work to be done here for Seattle to clinch also, so maybe we're getting, our, yeah, maybe, getting maybe ahead we're, of ourselves. Maybe we're jinxing but, them. Uh, cool. Perfect. Man, I hope not. 
Uh, around the Western Conference, though, there has been some interesting things. We just talked about Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be skating again pretty soon, so he'll be ready for the playoffs. You know, great news there. Uh, Kale McCarr is, <laughs> is back after having multiple rounds in the uh, concussion protocol. And then Logan Thompson, uh, that was an interesting one, the, the nutminder for the Golden Knights, one of, I don't know, like 15 goalies that yep. they've had play there. I'm only exaggerating a little. But he came back for one game against Calgary, played really well, made 37 of 39 saves, uh, and then just randomly left with another lower body injury. So I don't know if it's the same problem or what, but it was a weird thing because he looked like he was kind of fine, and then he just skated to the bench and left, and then that was it. So Yeah, it's kind of scary, right, like for them. And Jonathan Quick, since joining the team, has played okay. okay. Yeah. But I think he's even the shine is starting to wear off a bit. So I mean that's how they that's how they're beatable to me. Yeah. Is the goaltender's weak and Thompson's probably the best of the quiver of goalies that they have. So <laughs> they have Aiden Hill too, but Aiden Hill, I don't know what his status is. He's also injured. So yeah, it's a it's a weird thing there. They have had so many goalie injuries on that team over the last couple of years. <laughs> since they joined the league. Since they joined yeah. the league. It's insane. Uh but also for whatever reason, man, they play. All those goalies have had good numbers, though, when they've gotten in this season. Uh, I guess that's Bruce Cassidy's system, right? They yep. block a ton of shots. They keep everything to the outside. We've seen them play, and they're super patient in their defensive zone. They just kind of keep you to the outside. They don't let anything go to the middle. So um, that's kind of the style that they play, and that's friendly for goalies, I suppose. So um, they say. So they say. Uh, in honor of Andy, we're going to do a quick WHL update with our WHL correspondent, John. That's going to be you this week. So, okay, as a fill-in. Yeah. Uh, so the WHL playoff schedule is out. Sounds like the Thunderbirds are good. They made it. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. Silver tips are in too. Yep. So, uh, yeah, WHL playoffs kick off this coming Friday. And uh, Seattle is the number one seed in the Western Conference. They will be playing the Kelowna Rockets. Um, they start Friday in Seattle and then play another home game Saturday. Everett will be playing against Portland in Portland. Everett's the sixth seed. Portland is the three seed. Uh, That series starts Friday, Saturday in Portland, and then back in Everett Monday and Friday of the following week. And then the Tri-City Americans also qualified for the playoffs as a five seed. They will be playing Prince George, um, and that that also kicks off Friday, Saturday. You going to make the trip up to Prince George for that one? Uh, I think I'm going to skip that one. Okay. Um, but I do highly recommend checking out a WHL playoff game. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, Seattle is absolutely loaded with tons of future NHLers and draft picks. I would highly suggest checking them out. Uh, although Everett is also has uh, some good players, uh, so check them out as well. And they they're playing opposite, so they never compete with each other as far as home games. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely try to check it out. Um, I I need to look at the schedule. There's some conflicts with Kraken games, but for the most part, I'm going to try to get to a couple games. Yeah, it was fun to see the. I mean, the Thunderbirds went on a nice run last season that uh, people didn't really expect, and that I went to several of those games. That was really really fun to see. Um, really late season hockey there as they almost almost won the whole yeah, damn thing. Surprise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you got to like their chances for this season. Certainly. I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, they've had a little bit of a hard time with Cam Loops. Cam Loops is kind of the one other team, I think with that many, not, I mean, not even as many 
like stacked top end players as Seattle has, but uh, they can compete with them. So I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being a matchup deep in the playoffs. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Seattle go on a nice little run here again. So yeah, check it out. Thanks for the WHL update. As long as we're working our way around different leagues, the PHF had their Isabel Cup championship this weekend at Mullet Arena in Arizona. I thought that was interesting. It was following, uh, I think it was Coyotes against Colorado played there during the day. And then in the evening they had the, so they had nice fresh ice for the PHF uh, championship game. Uh, the Toronto Six knocked off the Minnesota Whitecaps. How do you feel about the that? Ch- I mean, I'm pretty indifferent at this point. I've never actually been to a Minnesota Whitecaps game. Uh, I do appreciate that they that the goalie, Mandy Lavelle, wears those great walleye pads, but <laughs> otherwise, I'm pretty indifferent. Yeah, this. and this game went overtime, mm-hmm. and they played three-on-three overtime. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of, you know... Uh, interesting way to finish Interesting way to finish game. the championship, yeah. but I thought it was cool, and uh, the play was outstanding. It, it was a really heady defensive play to knock the player off the puck and then grab, stole it, take away, scored back on that championship. First time for Toronto Six, who you know joined the league just a couple of years ago, but very cool. I'm always interested to see how the women's game goes and, and what's next. I think there's a market for it. Uh, I think there's a desire to expand it, but you still need participation from the national teams, mm-hmm. which have been reluctant to participate in the PHF or formerly known as the NWHL. So I feel like they should have a three-game series that's like a home-and-home thing and whoever has the better record gets to have two games at home i feel like having it at a at a neutral site and i understand like mullet arena is kind of new and cool but like in arizona it just didn't make a lot of sense to me i would have liked to have just like a little bit more atmosphere watching from home at least and i think you get that by having home fans in the building well what's interesting is the prior round was actually a three-game series yeah so you have a three-game series just to play a one-game championship yeah at a neutral site that's really far from far from anywhere. <laughs> like couldn't right. be, yeah. couldn't be any farther from Minnesota's the, the closest, right? So yeah, I don't know if I understood that move, but whatever. Uh, it was a it was a cool, like good TV production and all that, which I appreciated. So good on the Toronto Six. Congratulations to them. I'm sure they're listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we did allude to it at the top of the show as well. The men's Frozen Four is now set. Uh, we talked last week about the women's Frozen Four. So Wisconsin won that one obviously, their (laughs) seventh title. Uh, The Men's Frozen Four is going to be Minnesota, Michigan, Boston University, and Quinnipiac. Uh, Unlike the men's basketball tournament, which is no one seeds and lots of teams nobody expected, this one is three one seeds and a two seed. So pretty much what you would have expected coming in here. Uh, I did watch several of the games in the regional tournament. They weren't very good. They were pretty like lopsided scores for the most part, except for Michigan's game against Penn State, which punched their ticket to the Frozen Four. Um, that one was was pretty fun. That one went to overtime, and actually Michigan was down in the like closing minutes, yeah. and Adam Fantilli had a, a goal. I don't know how he scored. It was there was like no space there, and he somehow snuck it through the goalie. Who the Penn State goalie had a phenomenal game, and then Mackie Samoskevich scored very early in uh, in overtime to give him the win. So. Uh, Michigan's back in there. They've done it a lot of times. Well, remember, we're kind of watching Michigan because they've got all the young guys. Yeah, again. 
Yeah, again. <laughs> so we'll see how they pan out. I mean, they made it to the Frozen Four. I think that's pretty commendable in itself. Yeah. So the cool thing about this Frozen Four is that there's a lot of like really high end talent, right? Fantilli could be a top two pick this next season. He's draft eligible. Logan Cooley is on Minnesota. Uh, Lane Hudson is on BU. So there's a lot of like really high end future NHL. Right? Well. Yep, he's there as well. Um, so. Uh, a lot of a lot of fun to be had watching those games, I think, in the next couple of weeks. Also, we should point out there's two first-year head coaches in this, Jay Pandolfo and Brandon Narado. Uh, they're coaching BU and Michigan, respectively. Narado actually has uh, an interim tag, He's <laughs> which you got to love that, right? You're an interim coach. You take the team to the Frozen Four. Very St. Louis Blues-esque there, <laughs> Craig Berube. Uh, Narado, so he, he came in as the um, interim. I, what's the name of the guy who... Um, drawing a blank. Someone's going to scream at their um, their podcast right now. But uh, the, the Michigan coach who had a bunch of scandal, he got fired so or left in not disgrace. Extended. Not extended. Not extended, yeah. sure. Um, so Narado has been, I think he was his assistant, and he's been uh, there as an interim. And so good on him. He takes his team to the Frozen Four. How do you like that? Love it. Yeah, except it's Michigan, who I don't like. So uh, I don't know. I don't have anything against Michigan. Yeah. All right, let's get on to our segments. And our first segment is John and Andy's favorite segment. It's Bad Boys. Uh, A.J. Greer has been suspended for the Boston Bruins. He cross-checked Mike Hoffman right in the old grill. Yeah, and it was at a face-off that the puck wasn't even dropped. I mean, Mike Hoffman did give him like a gentle tap on the shin pads before that, though, just before the face-off. So I think... Greer gave the tap, and okay. Hoffman went a little higher with the tap. Okay. So he was so reciprocating. Then, right. It was like that, you know, when, when you're, like, trying to figure out who's going to bat first, and you hold up a baseball bat, and then you put a yes. hand on the handle, yeah. and then whoever ends at the top of it is yeah. the – they bat – I don't know if they bat first or second. Maybe you get to pick. I mean, but they anyway, pretty gnarly, right? Like, it was uh, it was bad. Cross-check to the face mm-hmm. is pretty gnarly. Hoffman put out a video um, complaining basically about the – it was only a one-game suspension, and he's all, like, messed up. Like, he's his chin is, like, hardly moving, and he's got big – amount of stitches and yeah it doesn't look doesn't Ooh, look too good I didn't there see the video oh yeah it's uh yeah it's a pretty gnarly facial injury on that topic blake lazat as long as we're cross-checking guys in the face blake lazat also did that to josh morrissey uh for the kings against the jets i think the argument was that it wasn't intentional he didn't i mean he certainly was trying to cross-check him i don't know if he was trying to hit him in the face but man, it's brutal. He comes in with some speed, gets his stick up, and just absolutely nails Morrissey right in the grill. So it's a nasty one and a well-deserved one-game suspension. The time of year, yeah. cross-checks in the face. Big old yeah. face cross-checking time. Um, and you know, we didn't go down on the farm ooh, on this episode, but we do have a bad boys for the Coachella Valley Firebirds. So Coachella version. Yes, yeah. that's right. Uh, Eddie Whitco had a... He kind of just like lost his mind, basically. He was defending Brogan Rafferty after Jermaine Lewin of the Henderson Silver Knights made a just a huge hit late in the game on Rafferty. In a 7-2 game. Yeah, not a close game at yeah. all. Whitco went right after him. So he got an instigator penalty. I mean, it was a clean hit, but like it was a it was a huge hit. You know what it was kind of like? It was like in the Minnesota game how Susie got nailed on the like the high flip and then Gord went after Mason Shaw. Yeah. It was that kind of a play where it was like Okay, it's probably a clean hit, but it's totally unnecessary, right? It's a five-goal game. I think it was and heavier than than Mason Shaw. It could be the size difference, too. But yeah. 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 Rafferty got 
clobbered. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, Witko goes right after him. Uh, I think what happened is they they had a fight. The refs broke him up, and then Lewin punched Witko after they had kind of been broken up, and then his his wires kind of crossed, so he wasn't letting it go. Uh, when they finally like came up, he was all bloodied. Witko was all bloodied, and he was like not ready to let it go. Like it was. He looked like a psycho, well, like complete, <laughs> complete psycho. <laughs> no, it is interesting because Lewin's hit was like, to me, totally uncalled for. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he did it inside the last five minutes of the game, and it was already a chippy game. There was already a bunch of fights in that game. There was no consequences for Lewin's actions. Sure. You know, nor- and so I think Woodco just went after him because... That's what he's got to do. He doesn't evaluate if there's five minutes left or not. So I'm, I was like relatively okay with it. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's my bias toward Coachella, but well, I thought it was the right play for him to go after him. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's one game. Yeah. Like who cares? And also we're breaking down an AHL suspension right now. <laughs> yeah. So where else are you getting this kind of content, folks? Yeah, that's uh, right. An in-depth breakdown of a one-game suspension of Eddie Whitco for the Coachella Valley yeah. Firebirds, the AHL. Nowhere. That's where. I tell you <laughs> what. All right. That's our bad boys. We now move on to weekly one-timers. Our first weekly one-timer. The IHF has announced that Russia and Belarus will not be included in any international competitions for the 2023-24 season. Why? What happened? Apparently, uh, <laughs> uh, some aggressive behavior sorry, by the sorry. country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunate, but it's more unfortunate that they've invaded Ukraine. Sure. So, yeah. Fair uh, point. That's what I care about more than seeing international hockey. But it's nice that the IIHF has announced that. I agree. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, I, you know, I've had a hard time with like thinking about individual players being rejected or banned from things because like it's not really their call to be involved in this thing. But I kind of agree that like when you're representing the whole country. And like it's a sense of national pride kind of a thing. I I would agree that it's probably not right to um, let a country participate in stuff like that. Our next weekly one timer. The Flames have signed Matt Coronado. He was their 13th overall pick in 2021. He was at Harvard, right? He was. Okay, yep. So smart, smart kid. Also uh, former Matt, Matt Coronado. Did that's that didn't sound Bostonian no, at all. Not at all. <laughs> He's also a right. former uh, former Chicago Steel. Mm. So yeah, which Fantilli is, but they never play together. But yeah, great. Yeah. And why do we care that he's a former Chicago Steel? Well, former GM Ryan Hardy was friend of the pod. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of players on that Chicago Steel team that are pretty good hockey players. So you we're going to start. Sean Farrell also got signed, who sure. who was also on the Chicago Steel team. But, I felt like there's probably some context we could have given there in case people didn't remember our Ryan Hardy interview from like two years ago. Who's but, now the assistant GM of Toronto Maple Leafs. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, our next weekly, <laughs> our next weekly one-timer, Jared Bednar has been extended uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. His extension kicks in in 24-25. Uh, his salary will jump to $2.25 million. I don't know why we, oh, excuse me, from 2.25 to 4.75 on the new one. Yes. That's a nice little chunk of change yeah. for Bednar. Um, interesting that that's even been reported. I feel like we don't always find out how much coaches are making. Sometimes we do. And, and once you get in the $2 million range, it's starting to get and coaches salaries are kind of going up um and this is significant but i think you win a stanley cup you uh you deserve a raise well i guess i don't know (laughs) what's he done lately though 
I still Stanley Cup <laughs> champion. So okay, yeah, that's fair. Uh, our final weekly one timer. Eric and Mark Stahl. God, another one of these stupid stories. Uh, Eric and Mark Stahl refused to wear pride jerseys for the Florida Panthers this week. And I think we put this one on the show notes because I find it pretty interesting the way that different teams are handling this situation, right? There's some teams that are saying, okay, because of security threats to our Russian players, nobody's going to wear pride jerseys tonight, right? Team decision. The Wild did that. The Blackhawks did that. I don't know who else. Probably other teams have done that. Uh, But then James Reimer, they basically are like, the Sharks are like, yeah, we're still going to wear them, but you can just kind of be on an island on this one. And then the Panthers do kind of the same thing. The Stalls somewhat comically said that they had been praying and having discussions and doing all kinds of things. And Eric Stahl said that he was, uh, he had never worn a pride jersey before. And then it was very easy to find video of him in a pride jersey in Montreal. It's just, I, I find it interesting how they're, how the different teams are handling it. I think this is my preferred route is to just say like, all right, you're the one individual that doesn't want to do it or the two individuals that don't want to do it. You can answer you the wear, media. That's you, fine. Then you, you, you deal wear with it, the right? excuse or yes. whatever you want. That's It's uh, just, yeah. it's annoying. I just find the whole thing pretty annoying. Mostly because it does feel like, you know, the teams that haven't worn them previously or like just weren't planning to wear them, they're not getting any kind of negative press, right? But because you have one or two people that will refuse to wear these jerseys, now, all of a sudden, it's a big deal for the teams to have to figure out how to ma- navigate that. And it's such a simple thing, right, to just be like, wear yeah, this jersey I mean, I, for 15 minutes. That's all you have to do. It's not a It's not a big deal. It's really not a big deal. Yeah, it's like kind of wearing like a Coke ad, right? like a Coca-Cola ad, yeah. and you like don't drink soda. Yeah. Against, is it, is it really beliefs, that big though. of a deal? Yeah. Right? To do that? Yeah. Somehow it, it's a get, anyway, you know. We don't need to go too deep into it, but also- yeah. we haven't we haven't really- touched on this at all touched on it much uh we've kind of made fun of james reimer a bit but um (laughs) just backing up a little bit like everybody's journey is different Mm -hmm. um so my hope is eventually some of these players that have decided not to wear jerseys like really consider maybe what it means to wear a pride jersey and and be more inclusive and doesn't mean you have to I don't know. It's not like you're marching in the, uh, you know, a gay pride parade or something like that. Nobody's I, making him do that. I generally say, if you yeah. don't like gay marriage, then don't get gay married. That's that's a smart response. How about yeah. that? Yeah, I like that. You know, I, but I mean, that's different though than saying like, it is different. It's totally, different. it really is. Yeah, like totally. it's it's the simplest thing. All you're saying, you're not saying that you're, um, that you're part of the LGBTQ plus community. You're just saying I don't mind that you are. You know what I mean? And and we would appreciate you being fans of of NHL. And your money is good here. (laughs) You know, like it's just, it's not that big of a deal. I don't know why this, all this kind of stuff, well, it's an, another example of just today's world is just so stupid, right? The things that we get so worked up about. Yeah. um, And somehow this is like, becomes political and then it's a joke and they're just pawns, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Neither here nor there. We're not a political podcast. So. Yeah. No, no, we are not a political <laughs> podcast. All right. Those are our weekly one-timers. We move on now to our tweets of the week. John, your tweet of the week. How about you go first? Okay, I'll go first. My tweet of the week 
Uh, does that mean you don't have a tweet of the week? Or that's not necessarily okay, what you I'm have saying. one. Yeah, my tweet comes from Steve Dangle. Uh, I'm sure everybody saw the clip. Speaking of, we're not a political podcast. Uh-oh. Joe Biden went to Canadian Parliament. I think is what it's called. Right? Is that their governing place? That's like their Congress. Yeah, it's Parliament. Don't ask me. Okay. So he went there. He gave a speech and he said he liked their sports teams except for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which got a standing ovation in the, again, I'm pretty sure it's called Parliament, which was kind of funny. Uh, Steve Dangle says, I'm preparing to shoot my next Leafs fan reaction video from the back of a landscaping company. Ah, gave yeah, me a good, good. Gave me a good chuckle. Um, again, not a political podcast. No. John, okay, what's your tweet of the week? My tweet of the week comes from Crazy Calico. Okay, they sent us a, a a mention direct message on Twitter. It said, "Could you bring back games on the radar?" I mean, okay. yeah, we know to watch Kraken, but what other games should we be paying attention to? Cause it might be interesting. Players, potential impact of playoffs, etc for us to watch. So, okay. So that's a request. I so say let's do it. We asked to that let's request. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm so unprepared. Yeah, I don't know. Let, let, me, let me look at this. Let me see here. Yeah. What do I have on the radar? Did we ever come up with a sound effect for games on the radar? I don't think so. I don't I think believe it was just, so, yeah. All right. It's time for games on the radar, right? Sure. We we should have had like a like a sonar sound, like the submarines. Oh, like a radar. Like, yeah, yeah. That kind of a thing? Yeah, do it. Okay, let's try Hopefully. it again. It's time for games on the r- radar. <laughs> and this is one of our original segments, actually. We got rid of it yeah. during the pandemic because it was like the what we were talking about earlier where the teams would play each other over and over and they were only playing within the division. It was like, all right, the Canadians are playing the Maple Leafs for the 20th time this season so that's why we scrapped it but if you're going to request it like that and ask so nicely then sure we will do it at least for this week so my games on the radar I actually had two Um, I really like and and hopefully yeah this should be out by then uh, Wednesday nights Minnesota at Colorado I think that has some real implications for the Central Division I believe they're only a point or two apart in the standings I haven't actually looked in the last like couple hours Um, but that has implications both for the Central Division and for the Kraken, right? Because if, um, well, assuming the Kraken keep their current spot, they're going to play the top team in the central. So there's definitely some implications there. Um, and then I also liked Colorado Dallas for kind of the same reasons. Uh, they play Saturday night, although that's going to be at the same time or around the same time as Kraken and King. So maybe just keep an eye on that one. Can I go now? Sure. Go okay. Ahead. So, um, first I want to call out the Seattle versus LA game this right. Saturday. So the one I just mentioned. Yeah. Right. Because, Listen to these next seven games Seattle has. Mm -hmm. Anaheim. Stinks. LA. Good. Coyotes. Stinks. Vancouver. Stinks. Coyotes. Stinks. Chicago. Stinks. Coyotes. Stinks. Yeah. Okay. Like LA is the only one in there and it's kind of a, in a way, I think it's created a bit of a rivalry between Seattle and LA. Yeah. You can't look past any of those games though either, right? right. You're right. And if Seattle starts to get ahead of themselves, starts taking teams for granted, We've seen how that can come back to bite them, and they've not had that much success against those teams over the last two years either. So, but Most, nonetheless, you're yeah, absolutely agreed, right. Agreed. So the Kings are the clear and obvious. This is the one to circle on the calendar here. So for technically, the next they weeks. they wanted a non-cracking game because they okay. said, of course, we're going to watch yeah. cracking games. Yeah. So I'm going to my other one, and it's not coming up for a while. It's next Wednesday, April fifth. Okay. It's, so you might have to repeat this. 
for next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's it's actually Winnipeg, Calgary. Okay. And that might be kind of in the zone where, you know, Winnipeg hasn't been playing well. Calgary hasn't really taken advantage of that, but Calgary's going to win tonight. And at least I think they were going to win. But all of a sudden, that might mean a lot. So it's next Wednesday. It's it's only their third game from now. So should be interesting. Yeah, Calgary did beat Los Angeles 2-1 to one tonight. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> we close the show with Sound of Hockey's Three Stars. I guess with Andy out, we still only have two stars, but... Who is your star of the week, John? Uh, my star of the week is Eric Comrie, goaltender for Buffalo Sabres, mm-hmm. former Tri-City American. Okay. He had two starts in the last week Okay, and went 1-0-1, and one, had a 9-5-5 save percentage. He allowed 10 goals in his previous NHL start to those two <laughs> starts, so I thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs> nice and, little bounce back. Yeah, and then he, sh- and then he had a shutout yeah. uh, in his first start since then. So, wow. That's my star of the week. Well chosen. Mine is going to Quinnipiac University's Christoph Tellier. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Only because like, it wasn't a statistical thing. He just had an awesome, awesome goal in his regional championship against Ohio State. Uh, the puck, he he like ramped the puck up in the air off of the defender's stick. And then before it hit the ice... He came across with his stick the other way and swatted it out of the air. It reminded me, I don't know if you're like way back in the day, there was a goal that Ty Domi scored where it was a very similar play where the puck popped straight up in the air. He tracked it over the the defender and then batted it out of the air like a baseball bat. Um, It was just a wonderful, wonderful goal. This one was interesting too because the goalie almost stopped it. Like he swept it out (laughs) of the net with his glove, uh, but it did cross the line. But they played on for a little bit before um, actually ruling this a goal. And eventually they did go back and review it. And they're like, okay, it's obviously like a foot over the line. But uh, <laughs> man, what a goal that is. That is, that's a fantastic one. So Christophe Tellier, that's my guy. Uh, we also had, I have a, a honorable mention for Braden Point just because he had three points, no pun intended, three points Tuesday with two goals. He has 45 goals on the season. He's quietly fifth in the league. And the only reason I thought that was interesting is because I never would have guessed that that he's doing that well. Like, I know he's a great player and one of the best players on a good team, but I had no idea that he had that many goals this season. 45 goals. 45. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot of goals. Miko Rantanen has, I think, 48. Did you know that? Uh, Miko Rantanen. No, I did not 48. (laughs) I believe you. Okay. Um, I still think McCann deserves more credit than he gets. Jared McCann? Yeah. Well, yeah. He's got 35. I mean, he's got 35. Yeah. He gets Which no is not credit. 45. Yeah. No credit whatsoever. But that's probably because there's guys like Braden Point who are getting no credit who have 45. So Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But you're absolutely right. For for Jared McCann, um, phenomenal season that he's having. Uh, Daniel Sprung, 19 goals. Matty Beneers, 20 goals. East Coast bias. That's right. And yeah. like the review said, it's finally, nice to finally have some a West, West Coast, Coast bias. Yeah. bias. And we've gone full circle. That's a great way to close out the show. So thank you again to Sharks fan Phil and Forza Sounders for the fine five-star reviews. Leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't left one already. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, donate some money at andyide.com. And uh, we will talk to you all very soon for episode 234. Cheers. Cheers.